Good evening. Oh, you can do better than that. Good evening. Much better. I need to back up. This is a big group. If you don't want to be on Facebook, cover your face. This is my second ordination in 28 hours. I didn't have to take as many pictures yesterday, I can say that. Yesterday I was uh, south of Dubuque, Iowa uh, for an ordination for Sarah Kaiser that's coming to serve uh, at Highmore. And uh, it was a great service, just delightful. It was a little more low-key than the one tonight. I found out about three minutes before worship that I was pretty much doing everything, (laughs) which was somewhat of a surprise. So it was nice to get here to find out that I was not doing pretty much everything, I'm just doing some things. Before I get to the sermon, I wanted to uh, offer a word of thank you to uh, Peace Lutheran. Uh, I've been the bishop now for almost 10 years. Uh, In fact, uh, 10 years ago tonight, I got elected. So... We had some difficulty picking a, a night, and I was the problem child. Um, and Renee kept offering up dates, and yeah, I think we went through 14, yeah. <laughs> this is kind of a busy time of year for me. And uh, so we ended up, it's her birthday, it's her baptismal birthday, it's her confirmation birthday. I'm making up stuff now. Um, <laughs> It's the month of her wedding anniversary to her beloved husband, and so 20 years of marital bliss, right? Well, it was bliss for 20 of them. Right? <laughs> that, was, that was what I got. I don't know, maybe. That was cheap, I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, I think it is, 31? Yeah, May 31st, wow. I wasn't trying to one-up you, I really wasn't. I just realized tonight was the night. Man, life has changed. But I'm back to my thank you. I forgot where I was. Um, Peace has had a long history of being one of the, just the stalwart leaders of this synod. Uh, It goes back uh, long before my tenure uh, as bishop. Uh, I was hearing about Peace Lutheran when I arrived, uh, well, 36 years ago with two of our children who were the ones born at that point and my wife LaDonna. And uh, throughout all those years, there was always good things happening at peace. Um, And there there was just stuff happening. But in my 10 years as being the bishop, uh, over and over again, you have been the kind of the sweet spot. When we wanted to try something, wanted something new, uh, we came and talked to the uh, leaders, the pastors, the lay leadership here at Peace Lutheran. And every time, I mean every time, you've said yes and stepped forward. I just can't tell you how much I appreciate working with you. And then lifting up leaders, not just for uh, the Office of Word and Sacrament, but leaders that that serve throughout this church and throughout this state. 
Uh, I appreciate very much the support that you give uh, to, the, to this community called Peace Lutheran, and particularly for the pastors that you've raised up uh, out of this community. There's a church over in Minneapolis that's got you beat by a little bit, but um, you're getting close. I mean, so Paul, you should just take all the credit, you know, as a senior pastor, since it's always your fault if it goes bad, you know, <laughs> you might as well take all the credit. Uh, but I really do, I very much appreciate uh, the work that you do here. And last but not least, the one that was most heartfelt, uh, we had a synod assembly about six years ago, and a flood was happening where Ladon and I used to live. And, oh, sorry. And so we'd already sent our kids out, and they were throwing sandbags and moving people out of their homes, people that they'd grown up with. And we'd gotten a call from Pierre Referral, and that they quite literally had run out of diapers. Can you imagine a community of 15,000 people with no diapers in it. And so we did, a, we did a special fundraising at the Senate Assembly during the course, and we raised about eight grand, uh, and I got to go to Sam's Club and find the store manager and saying, I need to buy $8,000 worth of diapers. And you can get people's attention when you say that. <laughs> but as I was going out of the door of the Senate Assembly, Paul stopped me and said, uh, you need to swing by Peace Lutheran. So I had to get a bigger trailer because of the gift that you guys sent. So I don't know that, uh, I don't know that uh, Pierre Fort Pierre ever sent you a letter of thanks, but I want you to hear it because it made all the difference out there. So I love doing ministry with you. So let's get to the sermon. I probably won't ball through that. I love the text. I think I've been on the spot where I think this happened. I've, got to, I've had the privilege of going to Israel four times, and we know that uh, Capernaum is up in the northwest co corner of the Sea of Galilee, and uh, it makes sense that this was a place of fishing. It was a pretty flat beach right in there. It would have been easy enough for the men to be able to bring boats in. Uh, they were right next to the Via Maris, the road by the sea, so there's major traffic going through all the time. There was, there was a market for the fish that they were collecting. And it made sense. And it makes sense for Jesus to start his ministry there. And we know that this beginning uh, is thought out, I think, by our Lord. He doesn't have internet, he doesn't have a newspaper, but what he does have is caravans that are coming from Damascus and going to Egypt or vice versa. So there's road traffic all the time. And there's pastures for animals right above the town. There's places for people to sleep. Uh, and there's a place for Jesus to preach. Because if you don't have, I mean, you can only have so many bars, even in Capernaum, and you get your board. And if you got a good preacher, you got something going on. And then what do caravans do? They move on, right? They go somewhere else the next day. They don't stay there. So very quickly after this text, you'll see Jesus out on the road. And everywhere he goes, people know all about him. People come out to see him and hear him. But here we are at the very beginning. And it's rooted in history. After John had been arrested, Jesus 
stepped out onto the stage. And what does he do? He invites people to follow him. Peter and his brother. Now we know that Peter's married because you can't have a mother-in-law, right? Am I going too fast? (laughs) You don't get a mother-in-law unless you have a wife. I know I got one, and I got a beautiful wife, and I have a beautiful mother-in-law. So, we know that at least Peter's married. And what do they do with the invitation? They immediately follow. But then what's the conversation at home? I always want to go to that conversation. Peter goes home, says, oh, by the way, sweetheart, this young rabbi came by today, and he invited me to be one of his disciples, and I left I left everything, and I'm going to follow him around, and uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to follow him around, and yeah, and I'm not going to be fishing anymore. I'm going to be fishing for people. I mean, can you hear the silence right then? Who thought that was a good idea? We know a little bit about how rabbis worked in the first century. We knew, first of all, that in the educational system, that somewhere around six or seven boys and girls got to learn the book of Psalms, and they got to learn the first five books of the Bible. They memorized them. And then the girls were told uh, by the rabbi, you go find your mother and learn how to be a wife and learn how to be a mother. And then some of the boys were told, you need to go find your father and learn how to be a husband and learn a trade and learn how to be a dad. But the better students were kept back. And they then learned the rest of the Bible. And somewhere around 15 or 16, the majority of them were told, in no uncertain terms, go find your father and learn a trade. Right? Because you're not good enough to be a rabbi. The other students, the ones that were the best of the best, were told by their rabbi, in every case except for two, go find a rabbi so that you can learn how to be a rabbi. And they would leave home and they would set out until they found a rabbi that would take them in to teach them the trade. But not Jesus. He doesn't go to the best of the best. He goes to the guys that have been told by their rabbi, go find your father. We even get to meet one, Zebedee. So how do you suppose that conversation went with his wife when he went home that night? Hey, there was a new rabbi in town, and he picked our sons to be one of his disciples. In the Lutheran Church, we understand that each one of us are invited into a life of ministry in our baptism. Each one of us is called as we go down into the waters, as we die in the depths of those waters, and we are raised up out of them. We are reborn as new creatures, and we are set out into a life of following Jesus. But then sometimes calls come to individuals. Would you come and follow me so that there would be someone every week to tell the community that I love them. Every week that there would be someone to administer the gifts that I'm going to leave. That people might be baptized, that people might be fed at the table, 
but that people also might hear about me. The call comes. It produces conversations at home. I bet there was a couple. I know there was at my house. First time I brought it up with my bride, her answer was, well, you go right ahead. <laughs> I'll be staying here. Had to have some more conversation about that, both internally, externally. But then there was a departure, a leaving. We left behind family in Oklahoma and we made a move to Minneapolis. You left behind a profession and began a different journey in your life. As I look at the pastors that are gathered here and the deacons that are gathered here, I know almost every one of their stories, same thing, an invitation, someone who tapped you on the so shoulder, maybe more than one someone, right? I think you might make a pastor. I think you might have a role in the church. Would you think about it? And so through prayer and deliberation, decisions get made. And you started that new path. It's been fun to have a little tiny sliver to watch from the sidelines as you've walked through school, through study, through practice, through some of the colleagues that you've worked with, through the community that's loved you and cared about you, supported you. I've had reports, you know, bishops always have spies, you know. It's true. And over and over again, I've heard how you have cared for people, that you have learned some of the great gifts that sometimes you can preach the gospel without saying a word by just simply being there. And now we've arrived at this evening. We're going to lay hands on you and bless you and pray over you. And it won't be just me. It will be those gathered here, but it will really be this community because we're going to invite the community because they've had a huge hand in forming and shaping you, and it's proper and right that they be a part of it. So blessings on you, Renee, as this new chapter starts. Blessings on your proclamation as you live and preach the gospel, as you tell about Jesus, as you invite them to come and follow the one who made a visit in your life in a very special way. I give thanks for your husband and your family, for your extended family, for the support they've given you. So, blessings on you, lots of sacrifices, well aware. And blessings to this community as you too have a new chapter. All this in Jesus' name. Amen.